everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Tech Strong Women, where we feature amazing women doing amazing things in tech. I'm Jody Ashley, executive producer here at Tech Strong, and I'm joined by my co-host Tracy Reagan today. Very excited to be here. But before I introduce today's guest, I want to give you a quick update about what's going on here at TechStrong TV. Coming up on December 16th, you won't want to miss the DevOps Experience virtual event. And yes, it's almost 2023. So be sure to mark your calendars for our annual Predict virtual event on January 12th. You can register for all our events by going to TechStrongTV.com. And be sure to tune in to TechStrong.tv every day for great shows and interviews. Hey, Tracy. What are you thinking about today? What do you want to talk about? Jody, you always do such a good job of that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about heroines today, especially with our our guest. I feel like she's a heroine. Um, But have you noticed that? I don't don't know, Jody, if you're into um, fantasy movies. Have you watched House of Dragon? Do you know who my husband is? (laughs) (laughs) I figured so. I figured so. Have you noticed the, 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 the series that are coming out that are highlighting women as heroine? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we have we have House of Dragon. We have yes. the Princess Rhaenyras and her aunt, the Princess. Uh, I think it's Rhaenyas. And then we have. Um, yeah. And then we have um, in uh, the Lord of the Rings, we have our elf. Uh, I think her name is Galadriel. Yeah. Which And she's super, super powerful. And yes. then on the totally opposite side of the spectrum, we have the great, which we're learning about in a very hilarious show, Catherine the Great. I haven't gotten to watch that yet. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited that both the House of Dra- I know this has nothing to do with technology, but it, I'm still excited that <laughs> both of those two big time, you know, uh, fantasy series are highlighting women as the central characters. And even in um, House of Dragon, we have uh, Alison Hightower. Now she has to, you know, be the she's not really the bad woman. She just is not as supported. Uh, you know, maybe maybe some of the fans support what to win the battle but she is still a very strong woman who started out kind of innocent now i don't know um i i first started uh, really getting into um uh learning about l uh from i can't think of the show uh shoot it's the, the stranger things oh yes and Elle was such an amazing female character. You know, she had that innocence, but she was super, super powerful. Yeah. And she had to find her voice. And in all of these shows, it's taking you, it, it's taking us through that, that journey of women lear- learning to find their voice. Right. Which I think is so important, especially in technology. I mean, we can't, I can't even emphasize how many times I've been in meetings where it's a couple of women who really have the knowledge and they sit back and they don't say anything because they're in a room full of men. And I always tell people, women, we have to find our voice. And I think those programs have really taught us uh, is teaching us and it's teaching the younger women and younger girls who are watching that to, to find your voice. Um, so I kind of like to keep, keep that as the theme here uh, because our guest today, and I'll let you, uh, Jody. No, you go uh, ahead. Go ahead. You're there. 
Well, Elena has, I will let Elena do the the work of introducing herself, but she is certainly a heroine when it comes to women and teaching women to code and women, not just in the United States, but across the planet. Um, So Elena, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about finding your voice. Hi, I'm Elena Percival. I'm uh, CEO and co-founder of Women Who Code, which, as you mentioned, it's the largest and most active community of diverse women technologists in the world. So when I say that, we're serving over 300,000 members across 147 countries. And when I say we're the most active, um, come visit our website. We've got an average of five free technical events every single day throughout the year. So we we have um, whatever technology area that that you're interested in. And Tracy, um, you're, you're um, kind of speaking to Heron's really hit me today because I've I've personally been in uh, mourning um, over the past uh, week or so because my absolute favorite show when I was a child was Murder, She Wrote. And oh, I know. Me too. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I've been actually watching it this week, and I'm I'm so proud of my like my youthful self that I chose this like smart, you know, woman forward, yes, <laughs> uh, heroine um, to be my like my favorite show. Oh wow! I know. It's so sad to lose those, uh, you know, those older women who kind of charted a course for us. And then on a personal note, today's a very interesting day. It is, it's being, this is being recorded on 10, 19, 22, uh-huh. which happens to be my mother's birthday. Oh, literally 100 years ago today. No. Yeah. So she wow. would have been 100 years old and it's sort of weird, uh, but she was an inspiration to me. She, you know, I, I wanted to go to school and study history and she was like, no, you're not doing that. You're going into some kind of STEM or engineering. You're not going to go study history. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing Tara said last time. Hernandez, our last guest, was like, they wouldn't pay for college if I did what I wanted to do. Yeah, I didn't, they wouldn't. I had the same situation, but she was my heroine. So, yeah, it is. It is sad to see those people leave the planet. It is. And my mom growing up, um, my mom, my parents adopted me when they were in their late forties. And so she was much older by the time I was a teenager, she was, people thought she, they were my grandparents, but she always murder. She wrote and all the, all the Perry Mason, I grew up watching all that stuff with her. So I had the same reaction you did, Elena, when it, uh, it just made me think of my mom and how much I missed her and watching all that stuff growing up and drives my family crazy now because I can I'm such a mystery buff I can figure everything out like before it happens and my husband will just look at me and go freak (laughs) (laughs) so that was a huge huge loss this week for sure so Elena why don't you give us a little bit about your background tell us how you you know where where what, what did the young Elena look like yeah, so um, I I wound my my way to my current path, just like I really think most people do in their lives. Um, I'm I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm I'm actually living here now. And when I um, graduated from university, um, I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to live abroad. I wanted to learn a foreign language, and it's very difficult to 
get a job in a, a foreign country if you don't already know the language. So I got a, a congressional scholarship to go and spend a year in Germany. And so I um, was learning the language and building my network, making connections. And I ended up getting a job at Puma, the performance wear company. And so one of the things that I would do when I was there, because um, you know, I didn't immediately get my, my, my dream job, I would go over to different teams at the end of my day and say, Hey, what are you doing? You know, could I help you with something? And so I ended up getting promoted onto a team that I had kind of um, gotten really interested in pretty quickly. And so my next role in the organization was um, overseeing or pro product manager for our niche products, which is all the non-core competency products like Puma was selling a folded bike for a while. And, you know, the stores don't know how to do that. Grease, you know, it's a, it's a, um, a vehicle. And so, you know, we needed to work with um, the legal team. And so it did a couple of things. It had me um, managing up which is really a learning experience and very much correlates to um, having a, a volunteer-led organization because you can't tell the CEO, the CFO, you can't tell the head of retail, you have to do this and you have to do it now. Um, same with volunteers. You have to take people on the journey. You have to really get them to understand why and uh, find what their motivators are and, and build the path. And so that was a, a real learning experience for me, um, you know, in the early part of my, my career. Um, after that, I, I did uh, an MBA. So I had been living in Germany for four years. I went back and did a dual degree MBA that took took me to four continents. So I was very globally focused in the early part of my career and um, in my um, education path. And so when I finished that, it was 2008. I was so lucky to find a job, but I found a job at a really small women's performance footwear company that was launching the first ever women's specific volleyball and basketball shoes. So I'm at this tiny company. <laughs> Social media is like picking up as like a way of doing business. And, um, you know, Nike and Mizuno are our immediate competitors. So I have to think outside of the box for how to like launch these products into the market. And so it was really a learning experience transitioning from, you know, a, a traditional product company that I did have some unique experiences with to a small company um, that was run more like a, a startup using more um, kind of uh, different um, ways of building this um, traditional product company. And then I had the opportunity to move to the Bay Area. And it was one of those things where it was on my list. It was like of five cities, you know, if I'm going to move, uh, get a chance to move to San Francisco, let's do it. And I got out there and I hit a wall, to be honest. I had a really strong career in kind of traditional product up until that point. And people looked at me and they were like, Puma, you mean the shoe company? That's not Google. That's not Microsoft. That's not Facebook. <laughs> and so I started learning to code and had side projects and was living the San Francisco kind of life of um, really upskilling myself to be able to um, speak the the technology language and build my tech credibility. Um, so I eventually went to a startup that 
got, got acquired. And so I earned my, my tech credibility, but I was, um, throughout that time, um, you know, getting involved in the tech community and women who code was starting as a meetup group at the time. And I found that my um, background in organizational management and community building actually led to like driving this um, this movement and growing and creating sustainability around this organization. And so I took a job at um, after the company was acquired at um, a top uh like executive recruiting firm. And they were allowing me to be the head of developer outreach. So I was talking to CTOs and vice presidents of engineering and directors of engineering and like seriously funded founders constantly. And I realized that fewer than 5% of the people getting these game changing, you know, like the, the series A CTO of LinkedIn, you know, like these like life changing roles were women, fewer than 5%. And so I started learning from the people that I was connecting with every day about what they were doing inside their career, what they were doing outside of their career, you know, what they were doing to navigate and, and find success and how that was translating differently for, for women. And I started bringing that into Women Who Code as part of our programming. And that's when um, our mission around really empowering women to excel in technology careers came about um, and not just, you know, teaching women to code or, or teaching girls to code. Because what was happening at the time is the world started talking about, like the media was saying, we need to teach girls to code. We need to teach women to code. But we were a community of women in the industry and already coming up against these barriers of, of bias. And um, one of those was constantly being needing to prove yourself and being viewed as more junior than you actually were. So if someone or women who code didn't elevate the conversation to include women in the tech industry and their needs, we actually ran a risk of having this amazing conversation of, you know, teach women to code, teach girls to code, actually harming the women in the industry. And so that's when I realized, hey, this is important. <laughs> women all over the world deserve to have this. And we need to start elevating our voice and the needs um, of women in the industry alongside teaching girls to code and teaching women to code because the easiest and fastest way to create greater equality among women and girls in the tech industry is by supporting the incredible talent in the market already today. And we have such a gap right now. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, in the area that I'm, you know, DevOps, which has been my career for the last 20 some odd years, mm -hmm. it's, it, you can't even find people to do the work. You literally can't find people to do the work. There just is a huge gap. And I hear the discussion about more automation and AI, you know, like Copilot, you know, Microsoft's building Copilot. It's going to make coding much easier because it's going to be a lot of kind of like snippets that you can use to build things. So we're, we're changing from coding to being able to put together a puzzle basically with existing pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like that this is an opportune time for women to step in because there is such a gap, mm -hmm. but you know, I, and community building is essential. I, I love that you brought that up, uh, but I run an open source community, uh, open source project called Artilius. And I, every day am looking for women. I, I like literally stalk women on, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Just you and me both. Be. You and me both. <laughs> I stalked over on LinkedIn to look to see if they'd be interested in joining the open source community. And I still need ladies. I just don't, I can't get them to to stick around. Mm-hmm. And the, I and the guys know that you know that there'll be a meeting and there'll just be one female coder in there, and then she disappears. Mm-hmm. So it's been a challenge, and it continues to be a challenge. Any suggestions on how we fix that? You should give a talk at Women Who Code. Um, I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Your message out to the over 300,000 members in our community. Um, but I think something that you said really strikes um, and or really resonates with with what we see and what we're, we are really working um, to fight against. And that's that they disappear. They're They're there. But right now, about 50% of women, technical women in their careers drop out at around the 10-year mark, right when they're poised, when they should be accelerating in their, their career path. And that's um, because they're coming up against um, kind of biases in their career throughout their career. You get on a bad project, um, you know, maybe it's... Um, uh, there's a bad team member, or bad team leader, or, um, you know, you see your peers who have less experience, less qualifications, getting the promotions and, and you're not getting the one getting the promotions. And so what we see and hear women um, doing is hearing messages like, oh, you know, you're, you're uh, so good at really working and bringing people onto your projects. Have you thought about recruiting instead of saying, Oh, we should promote this person, <laughs> you know, or, Oh, you're, you're so good about talking about the product. Have, have you thought about marketing? Um, like I literally had um, someone with a master's in CS from Stanford encouraged to take a marketing path at a technology company and their male counterparts would absolutely never hear that message. And it feels encouraging at the time because it's like, oh, you're so good at this. You should do that. But the message that needs to be heard is you're actually exhibiting leadership skills and we should be harnessing those and and promoting you. Well, don't you find that just by virtue of some of our personality traits as women, that it's taken as a negative? Um, as an example, my daughter is an actor and she's a director and she's become an intimacy director, which is this brand new emerging field in the industry of film and theater and stage and opera. And um, she's been, she's busting her butt all through the pandemic to learn this, to get this new skill so that she can work because she couldn't work at all. And she, she did a debrief the other day with one of the theater companies which I won't name in Minnesota. And the two women that she worked with, the female directors feedback to her through another person, not even one-on-one was that she was too bubbly. And I was like, she's 27 years old and her Mm -hmm. whole job is to make people comfortable on the set Mm -hmm. of a production with the intimate parts of being in a theater opera not just the sexual parts, but just some people don't want to be touched on their arm or their shoulder. And you need to think about these things before you do them. Mm-hmm. And she was told in a, in a job where making people comfortable that she was too bubbly by mm-hmm. a female director. And I was like, a man would never be told he was too never. bubbly. 
Yeah. I was like, what the heck is wrong here? Because it's women doing it to other women. And she was just like, she's a great cohort of people that support this job she's doing because it's new. And she went to them and they're all like, (laughs) just move on. (laughs) But it's crazy that we do it to our each other, too. Yeah. You brought up an important point. Um, This isn't saying, you know, when we're talking about this, this is ingrained in our culture Mm -hmm. and something that we need to overcome culturally. It isn't um, all men. It isn't all women. It's the way women are um, um, kind of uh, viewed the way they're um, nudged, the way they're um, told to succeed or not succeed. Um, One of the big things that we do at women who code is trying to overcome the social barrier to women talking about their successes. So if a woman's about, you know, Hey, I was on tech strong women and, you know, I'm on here with all of these other great talented people. I deserve to be there. I sound like I'm bragging. Um, whereas on the, the, the male counterpart can, can talk about, um, the successes um, that he had just a, a a part of, you know, I got mentioned on Tech Strong Women. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo, I'm famous. And it's usually acceptable to to really drive forward your career successes, and so that's a, a bit of a, a comical example. But what it it really hit me when I was speaking with um, a, a director of engineering at a, a company and. I said, hey, you know, it's a little more difficult for women to talk about their career successes. It's a little more difficult for society to hear us do it. And she was like, oh, Elena, you're right. I'm actually senior director of engineering now, and I've been embarrassed to update my LinkedIn profile. Oh, that's the saddest thing ever. No. It is really so sad. And she has the legitimacy of a title, a pay increase, probably a company-wide announcement. Whereas if you've just like written stellar code or done like contributed to a project in a significant way, the barrier to you championing the role that you had actually holds you back in your career. Because in her circumstance where she had all of these external factors saying that she deserved to have this, um, I don't know to invite her to join my board because, you know, she is so senior or to invite her to be a keynote at my conference or, you know, you don't know to have her come and speak on your um, on your show. And so when you think about the day to day things that you're you're not championing, the, the week by week, the month by month it adds up significantly. And so Women Who Code has a thing called Applaud Her. And we're trying to create social change around um, talking about your career successes. And I'll just give you one more example of how difficult it is. We had um, one of our leaders email it out to their whole area um, mailing list. So probably a, a couple thousand people. Hey, celebrate your career successes. Crickets. Nobody, nobody submitted something. The next email said, hey, celebrate the career success of a woman who is around you. 200 immediately within a day responses because, oh, wow, it was so difficult. All of those 200 people, you know, had had career successes, but didn't elevate them, didn't feel comfortable to share them out, didn't feel comfortable. It goes, it goes back to what I was saying. We, we struggle to find our voice. Yeah. We really do. We struggle to find our voice and to, you know, open our mouths and say, hey, look what I just did. 
Yeah. Right? It's it, it, socially and culturally conditioned that it's it's not not okay to do so. So we uh, have trouble doing it and we have trouble hearing it, whether we're a man or a woman. That is an amazing example and, and it shocking. Is. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 definitely a real thing. You know, something I wanted to ask you about um, this, the globalness of what you're doing. Um, we I've seen a lot in the news lately where women in some of the countries where they're, you know, being repressed, that they're like secretly learning how to code. Right. These women and girls are doing this in all sorts of countries around the world. Where how far is your reach? Can you give us some examples of of where where this is happening other than, you know, things we would think about normally? Yeah, Um, we're in 147 countries. So um, we have members um, all all over the world. We we don't discriminate um, uh, against members based on on their governments. (laughs) But, you know, we have an extremely active community in the Ukraine. And so it's been very difficult, um, you know, over far too long, the uh, beginning of this year. And so when they they've managed to stay active and um and still up, updating us and you know we we know that some of them are involved in um cybersecurity operations to to support uh the Ukraine and um uh, you know we also have members that are in Iran right now so we recently renounced uh, announced a, a statement in support of um, our our members and uh, the women of Iran who are are you know continuously protesting a bit against the oppression. They have they- found their voice. Yeah, they have. They have found their voice. My heroes. These women are amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I was wondering. And and you know we saw when they we pulled out of Afghanistan and all these Afghani women and girls who were allowed to be in school that suddenly got shoved back in. But so many of them are still finding ways to get past the barriers that the governments are creating. And this is a field that they can do that in. It's yeah. there's not a lot of those out there. I would, I would think that yeah, allow yeah. women to like, if I can get access to the internet, I can learn to code. Mm-hmm. I can create a place for myself. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so amazing. I, I think I love, I love hearing about it. It's great that you guys are, are having that kind of global reach. And it represents a tremendous opportunity as well, because you can use a VPN, you 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 can be behind um, the protections of of the Internet and um, you can work remotely. So, you know, where in in areas where, um, you know, women are oppressed or uh, prevented from from working in, in offices, um, technology presents uh a tremendous opportunity for career paths. So how can we hire some of your women? No. Um, so a woman who code has a job board. So if you're posting jobs on any job board, it's a highly niche community. You should, your, your company should absolutely be doing it, but really it's important to actually be supporting the work that women who code does. Um, so we don't charge membership, but it costs us $27 to provide a year of free programming to each of our members. And we heavily rely on partners who we, you know, create partnership agreements for them um, to, to support the work that we do. Um, and it it's important to be authentically 
supporting the community, not just um, taking from the community or, or showing up and and heading out. And so um, becoming a partner to, to Women Who Code, supporting um, our events and the program um, that we're doing and providing um, to build uh, a sense of belonging, increase knowledge and develop leadership skills among women in the tech industry um, is critical. We we could not do it without our our partners and donors. That's amazing. That's that's amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to reach out to you about getting some of your women to join our open source community. <laughs> I hope they will. I hope so, too. We did have a few women um, from uh, Africa join for a while. Um, they ended up getting jobs and then they got so focused on their jobs. They weren't con uh, contributing anymore. But it was great we, to, to have supported them. We did a lot of education around, you know, Google Cloud build and uh, getting them to be more kind of DevOpsy engineers. And they both went off and got jobs in the area. But that's an utter, utter success story. Even, even as contributing to the open source project, you, like it, it's the absolute best outcome. Um, well, and people don't know that about open source. People think open source is really smart people getting together to code. But in reality, it is a training platform. It's an education platform of a real project to work on. And we use it that way. We use it as much as we can. In fact, now we're doing some work around blockchain and we got a grant for it. So we get to pay people who are working on that part of the project. So it encouraged them to, to learn more. And I'd love to have more women doing that. Yeah. Um, well, we have a, a blockchain track at, at Women Who Code, so we should definitely um, we should uh, apply that opportunity to uh, the community. That would be great. What are the age groups for Women Who Code? Like what, what kind of... We don't discriminate based on age, um, but the average age is about 30. Okay. Okay. So do you use any of the Girls Who Code organizations to... As a, do you outreach to those as well? Because I know those are becoming super popular too. My my um, granddaughter is learning to code. She's 12 and she thinks it's a lot of fun. Her brother was trying it and he was 14. And she's like, well, I'm going to, she's one of those. I want to do it. If he can do it, I can do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I applaud your granddaughter. Um, we've certainly had younger uh, people join in. You know, we... we um, don't, don't check ages, uh, at the door. Um, but we've also sent mentors, of course, to technovation, girls who code, black girls code, um, right. uh, all over the world, because it, it is a, a part of the pipeline. And, um, you know, I, I'm teaching at, uh, I'm teaching women lead in technology at Georgia state university this semester. And, you know, I tell my students, you know, go to these industry events because you're just going to connect with people who can tell you, you know what the good companies are to work for they can introduce you they can help you um and you can um get to know what uh technical inform like what you get to know the technologies that industry is is using and um so it's such a great gateway for for younger people to be able to network even though you know they are going to be a little bit further along in their career path typically um women who code is a is a great place for people who are still early in their careers or um, looking for inspiration. That's amazing. Well, everybody's early in their career, in my opinion, when it comes to technology. <laughs> I know it evolves so much. It, it evolves so much. We're all learning. And I usually tell women that because sometimes I think women feel like they have to have all the answers. 
Mm-hmm. before they go into field. And I tell them, you will never have all the answers and it's okay to ask questions. No one ever looks dumb in, in software by asking a question. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's um, I, I try, I, I try and emphasize that as well, that it's, it's continuous learning. And the exciting thing about it is, you know, like the, the programming language that you're using is probably only a few years old. And so you're only going to be a couple years behind the most senior people. And um, you know what, it's probably going to change in another year or two, and you will be right at the beginning with, with everyone else. And so there's really not a bad time to, um, to get involved, get started um, in, in a technology um, career path. And I think that ability to pivot is super critical in this industry, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it sounds like you're pretty good at pivoting yourself in your story. It sounds like you pivoted quite a few times. Uh, And that's another area that I think women really have to to learn is to, it's okay to let go of something you've worked on for a while Mm -hmm. and maybe pivot a little bit because you'll, you'll find a different answer when you do so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it feels like this organization really represents that, right? Women who are figuring out, thought they knew what they wanted to do. And now they're finding something new and they're like, wow, this, this looks like something I can do. And I have, I have a couple of friends who started learning it again during the pandemic because they couldn't work at their jobs mm-hmm. and they want to be able to have more access to being a mom. And it's like this great way for them to work from home. Their hours are flexible mm-hmm. um, and they can do that and still, you know, not have to be in an office all the time. Yeah. And our, our community is typically already technical. So they're typically already in technology careers, but kind of speaking to always needing to learn, you know, there's, Hey, I, I want to get a bit deeper into data science. Oh, I want to get, get a bit deeper into DevOps. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's um, cybersecurity awareness month. You know, that's a, that's a, a huge, tremendous um, uh, area that people should be focused on in another area where we need to um, see more women pursuing. Because when I think about who's going to be leading companies in the future, it's going to be people who have an understanding of, um, of data security, of cybersecurity, the same way that people historically have had an understanding of laws and and accounting um, because it's going to be such a critical area of um, of success that companies need to have. That's awesome. Yes, especially right now. I'm on the board of the Open Source Security Foundation and um, the conversations there, boy, <laughs> there's so many things to fix right now. Mm-hmm. We do have, we have a, we, in terms of our infrastructure, it's pretty leaky. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're getting getting to the end of our time together here. And and uh, Elena, I want you to give us a, a good wrap up of how how women can reach out. What give us some websites. We can add those to the posting when we air this this um, amazing conversation we've had and give you guys some um, some people some access to what you're doing through our site. Yeah, we are Women Who Code Everywhere. Uh, so womenwhocode.com. We have a tremendous database on YouTube of of, um, of content. We're Women Who Code on, on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, connect with us. And I'm at Elena on Twitter. Great. Great. Right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We, yes. What a great conversation. It's so exciting to see what's going on. Yeah, Trace? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I really enjoyed this. 
you know, we don't necessarily always talk about women on Tech Strong Women. We, you know, we want to have these kinds of sessions. But this one, I think, was particularly um, important and relevant for today and getting women into an industry that needs you. We need you. We need the manpower. And we can now call it woman power. Yeah. The human power. We need the human <laughs> power, whatever we're calling it, the they power. <laughs> well, thanks for everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Tech Strong Women. Uh, we'll look for you guys back on Tech Strong TV soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you.